Hello everybody, this is Casey and I am finally putting out this episode of Healing with Nama. I'm sorry it took so long. Life happens and I fell off track and I'm really working hard to get back on track. So I wanted to complete this episode. Um, I did start it right after I made the first episode and I just didn't finish it. So now I am finishing it. Thank you for being patient. Thank you for continuing to be a supporter and a listener of Healing with Nama um, and supporter of I Just Want to Be Inspirational. If you're not following me on Instagram, please go ahead and do that. You can always find my social media handles in the show notes. Um, But the podcast is at Healing with Nama on Instagram. Um, And yeah, look out for more information from me. And if you are interested in Reiki, Go ahead and uh, go down a couple episodes, listen to the Reiki episode that I did in last year in like November or October or something like that. And if you're interested in experiencing a Reiki session, contact me on Instagram and we can get you going. All right. So thank you for being patient with me. Thanks for listening. And here is the episode. Welcome to another episode of Healing with Nama. I am Casey and today I wanted to do part two of my brain surgery journey. Last week I kind of just led up to me actually having the surgery and then going into recovery. Um, And this week I just wanted to talk about um, what the recovery process was like for me. Uh, so I think the last time I left off on me going into get another MRI after the surgery and knowing that someone that was previously in the MRI machine had COVID, so I was worried about that. Um, luckily, I never contracted COVID, so that's good. Um, so yeah, after I had that MRI done, they wheeled me to my room. And like I said before, I was in the ICU um, floor just because of the type of surgery that I had. It was important for me to really have, to really be monitored. Um, And I was there and I think this, this, yeah, this night was the night where I had an anxiety attack. So if you've listened to previous episodes, you know that I started having anxiety attacks in 2016 and I was able to learn how to manage them over time with different things. And so up until this point, I really didn't have anxiety attacks like that. But the night of my surgery or, you know, the night of me going into the recovery room, I had a really bad anxiety attack. And I just remember telling the nurse, like, I feel like I need to run. Like, and I didn't, I don't know that I registered that it was an anxiety attack when I was having it. I just was like, I feel like I need to run. 
And she's like, well, you can't run because you're on bed rest. And I'm like, I know, but, you know, something, I just feel like I need to run. I'm feeling anxious. I need some help. And she gave me um, some medicine. She gave me, like, a, she, first she had to get it approved. And then she was able to give me, like, an anxiety medication to help me calm down and help me sleep. Um, and it was, and it did help. Um, it helped me not to be so anxious. It took a minute. Um, but anyway, I had the anxiety attack. I wanted to run. I was in the recovery room alone, obviously, because it was COVID. So um, this night I was able to eat something and then I tried to sleep. It was really hard to sleep. The pain was really intense. So headaches. I had really, really, really bad headaches after surgery, like very intense, super painful. And in the hospital, they can't just keep giving you pain medicine. It has to be at a certain time. It has to be a certain amount of hours apart. Um, and so there are times where you just kind of have to like go through the pain without any medication or anything like that. And it was really difficult. It was excruciatingly painful headaches. Um, I couldn't get up, you know, I couldn't really move that much. I couldn't sit up because, um, I just, I had to be bedridden for three days to make sure that everything was okay. So it was extremely an uncomfortable situation. And I stayed in the hospital for five days. Um, all those days I was by myself, you know, I would FaceTime my family and stuff like that. But, um, it was really hard being in the hospital was really difficult. Um, having all those headaches and pain and after the first night I wasn't able to eat anything I was so nauseous um I couldn't keep anything down like even water crackers everything just made me nauseous everything just was disgusting so I really wasn't eating all those days that I was in the hospital um because everything just nauseated me so it was um that was also difficult because I wanted to eat but it just was difficult to even get water down was just impossible so um luckily i had really nice nurses for the most part um who were understanding and who helped me um and you know just did the best that they could do i had my pain medicine so that kind of made me a little loopy um and then after i mean on the fifth day i had to learn how to like stand up and walk again it wasn't like you know a major thing like <clears throat> I didn't forget how to do it they just had to assist me and make sure that I didn't fall make sure that I could do it you know I could walk I could get upstairs I could get downstairs because at that time I lived in a two-story house so they had you know the physical therapists come in and help me like sit up on the edge of the bed okay sit here for a minute and then like get up walk walk upstairs walk downstairs with with assistance to make sure that I would be okay and that they could send me home um and not worry about me and then they wheeled me down to um the ground floor and that's where my mom picked me up and it's so interesting or so funny to me because like I just was out of it while I was in the hospital I felt awful I just felt sad. It was just really yucky. I was like in a cloud. I couldn't eat anything. Um, my family, my mom was worried about me because um, of how I looked and sounded when I was on the phone. But I was also on pain medication. So 
Um, but when I got in the car with my mom, I was like, oh, I feel so much better. It was like a light switch. I was like, oh, yes, let's go home. And it made a really big difference just getting out of the hospital and out of that environment and being somewhere familiar with someone familiar was really, really, um, I needed that. I needed to get out of the hospital and just feel better and be able to sit up and just kind of feel like myself a little bit. Um, so that was nice. Then I was hungry. So that's also something different because I hadn't been hungry in four or five days. So we ended up going to Del Taco and I got a bean burrito. And that actually was one of the... <clears throat> One of the only things that I could eat post-surgery, like for a long time, for several weeks, I could not keep anything down. I couldn't eat because I was so nauseous. Everything sounded disgusting. Like I just couldn't eat. Even the smell of food sometimes would nauseate me. And bean burritos from Del Taco saved my life um, because the beans are kind of like bland and it just helped me be able to eat. So I ate on those for weeks. Um, just so that I would have food in my stomach because eating is important, especially when you're recovering. So I was glad to find at least one thing that I could manage to eat without, you know, being nauseous. So the next, I guess, few months of recovery were in an up and down road. It was definitely a journey, um, having to rely on my family for the first six weeks of recovery because I really couldn't do much. I couldn't really lift anything. I couldn't really, you know, stand for a long period of time, walk for long periods of time. Um, they weren't advising me to stand up in the shower just in case, you know, I got dizzy or I would fall. So I would have to sit and bathe and let somebody know when I was going to bathe so that they could just be there and um, just be aware in case something happened. So there was just a lot of things that I was restricted from doing. Uh, sneezing, I couldn't sneeze like the normal way people sneeze through their nose. I had to sneeze through my mouth because um, the surgery was partially, you know, going through my nose. So just to make sure that I didn't do any damage or, you know, nothing happened with my nose, I had to sneeze through my mouth. So I had to be mindful of that. It's just a lot of little things that I had to do so that I could recover properly um, and it wasn't anything super major but it was taxing on me emotionally because I am a very independent person I like to do things on my own I like to get myself where I need to go so not being able to drive and uh, cook feed you know like I, I could feed myself but I couldn't cook and Sometimes I would be stuck upstairs in my room because going downstairs was just too much. And um, that feeling of not being able to be independent or feeling a little isolated because I'm, you know, stuck in my room for a lot of the day did take a toll on me mentally. And there were a lot of times where I was sad and I would cry just out of frustration of not being myself, not feeling like myself, um, the headaches were excruciatingly painful after um, I had brain surgery. So, of course, it's going to affect my brain and recovering and things trying to get back to normal. So I had really horrible, horrible headaches for, especially in the beginning. Um, and it was 
hard to deal with sometimes because you can only take pain medicine every few hours because they don't want you to get addicted to it. So sometimes you just have to kind of like power through it and work it out. And that was really difficult because it was like the most excruciating headaches I've ever had in my life. Um, and then a few months after those headaches kind of subsided, I started to get migraines, which I'm still um, working through now, um, two years after surgery. They are not as frequent, but definitely I did not, I never had migraines before I had brain surgery. Um, and I didn't even really know what it was happening when I first started getting migraines. I was like, is this a sinus infection? I feel dizzy. I feel yucky. Like all these things are happening. And I actually went back to my um, ear, nose, and throat doctor to make sure there was nothing going on with my sinuses because that's where I felt a lot of the pain. And then they ended up telling me that it's most likely migraines. So I had to find a neurologist to deal with that um, and start taking medications, more medications for migraines uh, because they were coming so frequently and it was so intense. Um, the migraines would last for at least three days. And even if it wasn't like headache pain, it would be the what they call a migraine aura. So I would get really nauseous and I my eyes would get blurry or they would I would be really painful, um, a little bit dizzy. When it gets really bad, it goes down my arm. Um, it's just a lot of like really yucky, yucky symptoms that go with migraines that I had to learn how to navigate. And thank goodness it's gotten so much better as time has gone on to where they're not as frequent anymore. But still something that I am working with, you know, my doctors to eliminate because, um, like I said, I didn't have this problem before surgery. So eventually, hopefully very soon, it's something that I would like to not have to deal with anymore. Um, but back to just the recovery part of it. I think the hardest part was just being down, like not being able to do anything for myself and learning how to let people help me and how to ask for help, which is something I'm still working on today, just not even as far as recovery, but just as a person. Um, reaching out and letting people know that I'm struggling is difficult sometimes. So I'm thankful for that part of the surgery because it taught me how to ask for help and not to just suffer and to let people help you and show up for you and that it's okay it doesn't make you weak or anything like that it's just sometimes you need help so I'm grateful for that lesson you know just teaching me how to be a little bit more dependent still being independent but also knowing when I can't do everything myself and I do need help not being so prideful that I can't ask for help. My family was really, really helpful for me during the recovery process. I'm thankful for them uh, for showing up for me and helping me. Thankfully, I lived with a lot of people during the time of my surgery, so I had a lot of people to lean on and um, just to be there for me emotionally, mentally, physically, all that good stuff because it is a journey. The journey, the journey with Cushing's, especially from the time that, even before you get diagnosed, even when you don't know what's happening, it's still a journey. It's still mentally and um, physically draining and exhausting. 
and it's difficult to deal with because sometimes when you have Cushing's, you don't realize that that's what's happening to you. So you could be, you could have Cushing's and not know you have it. And now you're trying to figure out why, you know, you're exercising and you can't lose weight or um, your hormones are imbalanced if you're a woman or all these things are happening and you could start to blame yourself because you feel like, okay, I, I tried to change my diet and I tried to exercise, but nothing's working. Like, what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? And then, you know, you go to the doctor and hopefully they're helpful. And then you find out that something else is happening that you don't really have any control over. And it's just a really big deal. It's a process. It's mentally, physically exhausting. It's emotionally exhausting. And I really hope that anyone out there that is dealing with it has emotional support and has um, people out there who, even if they don't understand what's going on, are willing to first believe you that something is happening and to be there for you and show up for you and in the way that you need them to show up for you. Because from the groups that I've joined on Facebook, you know, for Cushing's patients, a lot of people feel like people don't believe them because um, sometimes Cushing symptoms can be uh, deceiving in a way because they mimic other symptoms or, you know, it's hard to explain what's happening for you. Some of them are quote-unquote invisible symptoms, so it's not something that people can see, but you know when something's going on with your body. And it makes it difficult if people don't believe you, especially people in the medical field. If you're having to fight for a diagnosis, for testing, for, you know, advocating for yourself, it starts to take a toll on you because you're thinking, is there something wrong with me? Like, am I making this up? Is this really happening? And it's really important that you understand that it's a real thing. Invisible illnesses are a real thing. So just because you can't see it or someone else can't see it, that doesn't mean that there's not something going on in your body. This isn't to say that every time you think something's wrong, something's wrong. But for the most part, you know your body and you know when something isn't right, especially if it's going on for a long time at a certain point. It's like, okay, I'm not making this up and I really need help. So it's important to have people around you who support you even if they don't understand what's going on so that you'd feel less you know crazy for lack of a better word um and so I'm thankful that my family even though they didn't really understand what was going on once they realized that this was a serious matter took it seriously um because I needed that support the following months after Surgery just included a lot of recovering, a lot of resting, a lot of relearning myself and my body and the things that I used to do and all that kind of stuff. Um, doctor's appointments, of course, you know, checkups, making sure everything was okay, MRIs to make sure the tumor wasn't going back. And um, just, yeah, just a lot of follow-up stuff. Um, and I ended up, I think I mentioned it before, I'm not sure if I did, but I ended up just unfollowing a lot of the Cushing's groups that I had joined on Facebook because at a certain point it was kind of 
having the opposite effect on me. It wasn't helpful anymore, especially in recovery, because I didn't know what recovery was going to look like for me. So to see other people's stories about recovery and some of the really, you know, hard things that they had to go through, the scary things gave me more anxiety. So it was easier for me to stop getting so much knowledge about the recovery process and what could happen and people's tumors coming back and having to have a second surgery and all those different things. It was just like, okay, this is actually not helping me anymore. And I think it's better to just take a step back and and let my recovery play out how it's going to play out. And that's maybe part of the reason why I didn't, I won't say I, I don't know. Sometimes I am hesitant to tell people who are going through it my journey because I don't want to scare them. But at the same time, it could give somebody hope who is at the beginning stages of it and doesn't know what the process will look like at all. Um, And that's why I'm sharing now is because there's somebody out there who may not even know that they have Cushing's, but they have these symptoms and they feel like something is going on but they don't know where to start or who to ask, or maybe they're not being listened to. And I just want to make somebody feel a little bit more comfortable and to let them know that it's okay to advocate for yourself and to push for testing or whatever else it might be that you need. Uh, Because um, diseases are real, you know, illnesses are real. And as much as, you know, I believe in manifesting and that kind of thing, thinking positive, sometimes your body, there's physically something going on with your body and thinking positive is great and like together with medical advice and medical care, you know, or mental health care, whatever it is like manifesting and, and affirming is really great, but make sure that you're also taking care of yourself and your health in the way that works for you and and making sure that you're in a healthy state. So that is why I want to share now my journey. Um, So yeah, the the last um, two and a half years, two years of my journey has just been mostly following up, um, you know, going to doctors, making sure everything's okay, monitoring my symptoms, um, relearning myself really and having to reestablish my relationship with my spirituality because for I don't know how long maybe a few a couple weeks a couple months after surgery I just felt lost again and I got in that um I don't know dark night of the soul tower moment type thing where I was just like I feel lost. I feel disconnected to my spirituality. I don't know who I am anymore. I don't know how to feel. I have all these mixed emotions about what I've just gone through. Um, And now I kind of have to like start all over again and figure out how to get myself back connected to my spiritual beliefs. Because even meditation wasn't working for me. The anxiety attacks that I had um, post-surgery were really intense as they were before I started, you know, meditating all this stuff. And I'm just like, oh, it's not working. The tools that I had before are not working. So can I believe in them? Do they really work? All these different things. And it was like, I had to stop and remember that, yes, they do work, but I'm also a human. And I'm also somebody who just went through a major life change. 
which means that some of my routines have to change. And the things that worked for me before may not work for me anymore. And to be okay with it and not to think of it as something to worry about, but just something that now I get to explore different things. I get to explore different ways of managing anxiety and stress and all those different things um, aside from what I had been doing up until that point. So I'm not sure if that's something that's common for all you know people who go through the Cushing's um, the brain tumor removal removal surgery but I know for me I did go through a point of just almost feeling like it was an identity crisis like who am I what am I doing what is my purpose here Um, you know just kind of shedding a lot of layers as I kind of became this new person who is not walking around with a tumor on their brain anymore what does that even look like So that was a journey within itself, figuring out and discovering new things that I liked. What is it that I like now? Um, Who am I going to be when this recovery process is, you know, a little bit further down the line and I feel better? What types of things am I going to do now? Um, Who showed up for me when I really needed them? Um, So reassessing the people in my life, like who was actually there for me once I needed them and they knew that I needed surgery and all these different things who showed up for me and who checked in with me and um, all that kind of stuff because it's um, it's it's telling I guess um, to see who you who the real people who really care about you are during a time when you're down and you're going through something major and the thing that I had to kind of remind myself about is I had brain surgery in the middle of COVID. So this is two months into COVID. So we're not even a year into COVID. So other people that I know around me are also dealing with this huge change in the world and may not be doing the best mentally and may not be coping well. So I had to also remember to give people grace because yes, I had gone through a brain surgery, Um, But people are also going through their own, um, you know, whatever's with the world changing and maybe not being able to work or having to be home all the time and, you know, all those different things. So I had to give a little bit of grace while still being mindful of people who were making my journey about themselves and putting themselves first before me because that did happen. You know, there were certain people in my life who were more concerned that I didn't tell them about my surgery than they were about me actually needing surgery and made a big deal about that versus checking in with me and making sure that I was okay. How am I feeling? All those different things. So it just was a really big time to reevaluate a lot of things in my life and to become a different version of myself. Maybe growth, I guess you could say. Um, I grew a lot um, during that time. I grew up a lot. Um, That was the same year that I turned 30, so definitely was not the way that I planned on spending my 30th birthday, but that's what happened. And I think that I, as much as I dreaded and didn't want to go through the surgery and, you know, wished that I didn't have Cushing's and all that stuff, when I look back on it, I'm really grateful for everything that it taught me and everything that I had to go through to now be this person who can share with other people um, that 
it's okay you can make it through it's going to be difficult um but from my point of view um you can make it to the other side there were times within the recovery especially in the first year where I was just like I didn't have a lot of hope and I didn't feel good I wasn't looking at the positive I wasn't looking at the the um the bright side I was just like I don't understand why I have to be going through this and why I have to feel this way and why you know I have to experience this like why is this happening to me um and it was something that I really had to work through and that I had to pray through and that I had to write journal through and talk through and go back to therapy and um make sure that I was taking care of myself and the new person that I was because I'm not the same person that I was before I had surgery a couple months I won't say a couple months but you know towards the end of the year that year so I had surgery on Cinco de Mayo so in May and you know towards I don't know September um, I still was carrying a lot of the weight that I had gained when I found out I had Cushing so um, when I when I first went into surgery, I was 198 pounds. So that was the heaviest I had ever been, and I was very uncomfortable. Um, I'm not a tall person, so it was a lot of weight on me, and I didn't feel good about myself. And I had researched, you know, and, and looked on the groups and stuff before, and saw that people had lost a lot of weight after because Cushing's had um, caused them to gain a lot of weight. So me, I'm thinking like, okay, so as soon as I get the tumor removed, the tumor's going to be gone. I'm going to lose the weight. It's going to be fine. And that's not what happened. I didn't understand how tumor removal works. I didn't know that, you know, there would still be residual, like, you know, the outside of the tumor, the tumor cap or whatever would be left. And just all these different medical things that I didn't understand that made me panic and made me think that things didn't go well and, I didn't lose the weight right away, so I was afraid that, you know, it didn't work. You know, just things didn't work, and, you know, what does that mean? And just panicking and giving myself a lot of anxiety. And it took several months for me to finally start dropping weight and kind of my body learning to adjust to this new way of being without a tumor causing my body to um, uh, exert excessive amounts of cortisol and new levels of how my body is quote unquote supposed to be and you know my body learning how to be this new version of itself took a while it wasn't instantaneous it wasn't right away and I would say it took at least a good full year for me to get to a place where I felt like okay my body's finally settling in a place where I don't think that it's gonna get any lower than this and I was okay with that so learning to accept my body for how it was and how it is now and to be comfortable with myself and to be comfortable with sharing my story and all those different things came with the journey and I hope that I'm I'm making sense I always I always feel like I'm rambling a little bit when I tell this story because there's so many parts to it um but the main thing that I want to get across is that it was a journey 
it was well worth it. I'm Now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm very thankful for it. While I was in it, it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel good. It felt awful. Um, but it has changed my life for the better. I'm still, still to this day, two years later, um, figuring out my body and, you know, adjusting. Like I said, I still have migraines. Um, there's still other underlying issues that came to the light after the surgery because the excessive amounts of cortisol my body was getting was kind of masking other issues that was going on. So now that my cortisol levels are a little bit more normal, my body's kind of giving me these um, flags of like, hey, check this out, check this out. You know, and it wasn't a lot of things, but it's definitely things that I wouldn't have been able to pay attention to before because the Cushing's was just masking it all. So now I'm on a journey to finding out how to best take care of my body the way it is now. And um, that's a journey within itself. It's something I'm still working on and um, still need to work with my doctors um, to figure out. But for the most part, I am in a much better place. Um, I've been through a lot of ups and downs. Some had to do with the Cushing's journey and some didn't. But at the end of the day, I believe that I went through that journey so that I could share this story with other people and inspire somebody else who's going through this journey to let you know that one, it's okay to advocate for yourself if you feel like something is going on with your body that too you may not be crazy <laughs> you may not be crazy I mean I don't know you personally but there's a chance that you may not be you know losing your mind and that there really is something going on and all it takes is that one person to believe you and to say let's really check this out for things to turn around and that's what it took for me it took me to to keep asking and to keep asking the right people and to be led in the right direction and to finally get that person that said, I think something else is going on. Let's check this out for me to get the answers that I needed. So please don't be afraid to advocate for yourself, um, you know, respectfully, if you feel like something is going on now. Um, take that with a grain of salt because I'm not a medical professional. I don't know anybody's medical history. I'm not a doctor. I have no hands in that. Um, I can only speak for myself and to speak to my experience of not having people really believe me and just kind of getting quick fix answers and having to continue to ask and ask and ask to finally get to the point where I got answers and I got, you know, resolution. So just be mindful of that. Um, Take care of your health, take your health seriously, take your mental health seriously, take your emotional health seriously, um, stay encouraged, know that you're not alone, seek help, seek support, and if anyone out there is experiencing Cushing's or thinks that they might be, you know, experiencing Cushing's disease, you can always reach out to me on my Instagram, um, which is always linked um, on the show notes and just, you know, I can give you what I got. I, I can't give you any medical advice, but I can be a source of support if you need it. Um, you can also find me on my YouTube, which is um, also linked in my link tree, which is in the show notes. 
and I have, you know, a couple episodes about my Cushing's journey on there. Um, but yeah, I hope that this helped at least one person, at least helped one person that might be on this journey, um, to get some answers or to get some motivation, feel supported and can turn things around for themselves and really, really just change your life. Cause my life has been changed by just that one person believing me. So I thank you for listening. Thank you for being patient because I know this episode took a long time. And I'll see you guys on the next episode.